Kia ora, welcome to Everyone's Podcast, episode 371. Today is Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. This episode is called Make Believe because of an offhanded joking remark I made a little over a week ago when my brother-in-law and somebody who hadn't been to my house before stopped by here because we were going to a, a realtor open home on my street. The house is for sale on my street. And we just want to have a nosy. That's really all it was. And I said to this person, welcome to the land of make-believe. My brother-in-law sort of looked at me oddly. And I said, because I have a thousand and one projects and I make believe that I'm progressing any of them. And he sort of chuckled and he said, well, it takes as long as it takes, which is certainly true. And that's actually what I'm going to talk about today. I have a voice message from Grayson, and who, who you may recall from previous episodes, and I'm going to play that, and then I'll comment about it afterwards. I'm going to play the whole thing at once, about six minutes long-ish, rather than break it up and respond to blocks, because it's basically one thought, and I think it's better to get it all in context rather than me intruding myself all the time. But that's all I'm talking about today, and it does relate to my grieving process and recovery from grief. And if that's not your sort of thing, that's all that this episode is about. And if you want to just skip this episode, I certainly won't hold it against you. I'm just letting you know up front that that's all there is to this episode. However, I will be back later this week with another episode where I'll talk about the recent local body elections. Local, sorry, that's what we call it, local government elections here in New Zealand. The final results are due out on Friday our time, and I plan on doing an episode and blog post and blah, 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 blah by that time. I have done a blog post about the general stuff about the election, and I'll put a link in the show notes if you're interested in, in that earlier. But that will be later this week. But right now, here's that voicemail from Grayson. Hey, Arthur. Uh, it's Grayson in Atlanta. How are you? I am, as always, huge fan, never miss a show, and which is one of the reasons why I wanted to send you a message. Oh, I wanted to offer a suggestion. And I know sometimes suggestions come off as I know better than you as to how you should be dealing with a thing. And that is not my intent in any way, shape or form. I just wanted to uh, share an experience I had that I think might be helpful to you. You've mentioned uh, in recent podcasts, it's been a, become a recurring theme a little bit that you are struggling with these things that are in your house that are... Some of them are Nigel's, some of them are yours, but a lot of it is stuff that is kind of cluttering your life right now. And it's making me think of a time uh, where my father and I were having some similar struggles. My, my uncle passed away and he lived in the house that he and his wife of decades shared together, and, and my aunt. And uh, when my uncle died, it fell to my father and I to go to his house and empty it out get it ready to be sold. And walking into the place, you are immediately confronted by every possible memory you could ever have, right? Uh, all of his books, all of his papers, all of his photographs, all of his clothes, um, his cars. He had a garage full of tools, dishes, uh, art on the walls and, and statues and knickknacks and, and uh pool furniture. I mean, just so much stuff. And it's very overwhelming and intimidating to look at and try to place a value on because it all belonged to someone who was so important to you, who you loved, um, or it all represents a memory that you have in your life. We were struggling very hard with trying to figure out what to sell, what to give away, 
what to keep, uh, what to put in the garbage. And uh, after a few days of, of being there, my, my husband came and joined us. And my husband didn't know my uncle or my aunt for that matter. And he walked in and was shocked at how little progress we'd made. And we explained to him, well, we're just not sure about this, like these books, you know, do we get rid of them? Do we donate them to the library? Do we, what do we, you know? And we were just really struggling with, with a lot of things. And he was like, no, that's garbage. Give that to Goodwill. That goes in the, uh, you know, that goes in the yard sale. That one, uh, we need to go online and see how much it's worth. That, and he just was very systematic and burned through that house. So stuff that it had taken us four days to get rid of, by that afternoon, he had had a dumpster delivered into the driveway and we were filling it halfway full of stuff. And it's not that he was being ruthless about it. He was just offering us our perspective on these things that my father and I could not have possibly had. He was offering us a, a view of these belongings that we just were incapable of having. And it was invaluable. Uh, I cannot tell you how helpful and how affirming it was to have somebody there who could look at these things with detached eyes, right? Still appreciating that, that we were family and, and that we were going to have emotional connections, but at the same time, giving us a perspective on things that we wouldn't normally have had because of our attachment to my uncle and his wife and my aunt. So I'm just wondering if there is someone in your life who could come into your place that maybe didn't know Nigel very well or that maybe they're a new friend who you've come to trust. And maybe there is a person like that in your life, even maybe one of Nigel's family members who could give you permission to do away with some of the things that were important to him or just look at some of the things that are important to you because of him with fresh eyes. Someone who could come in and just help you maybe once or twice a week. And you would be shocked at how those Outside eyes will help you rationalize the true value of those things that are imbued with so much emotional value. And I'm not saying get rid of all that stuff, put it in the garbage. Of course not. But have somebody help you look at those things with fresh eyes. Just a suggestion. It was something that helped me very much. And as I listen to your podcast and, and listen to your, your, your voice, I can tell that it's become a very consuming thing for you. I can, I can hear it in your voice that you don't like this clutter in your house and that you are struggling with it and you are trying to make good decisions for Nigel's memory and for your financial well-being and for the planet. You don't want to put dangerous things in the bin, right? You want to recycle things properly. But sometimes an outside perspective can help you see things differently and give them a different value in your mind. That's all. So I hope that that doesn't sound preachy, but it was something that came up while I was listening to your show and I wanted to pass it along. Again, huge fan and uh, I hope you're well. Well, thanks for that, Grayson. And I actually think that that is brilliant advice. And it's something I'm going to file away for use in the future because from time to time I either give advice myself or I 
um, talk about the grief journey and and things that are helpful and all that sort of stuff. So it's definitely it's definitely brilliant advice. Before I talk in any more detail about this topic, I want to start by saying that I think I've done a disservice to everyone because when I resumed the podcast, if you can call my sporadic schedule resumption, when I resumed the podcast, I was saying that I didn't want this to be all about grief and all that. And that was certainly true, but I think I ended up not talking about things that I perhaps should have. I did a disservice to anyone who is going through what I'm going through or or cares about someone who is, because I just haven't talked about it as much here as I used to on my blog. I don't even talk about it much on my blog anymore. And I think that that is possibly a mistake. I think I may have erred too far on the side of caution. And part of it is because I know some people, they just don't want to be confronted by it or they're over it or what have you. There's any number of reasons, which is partly why I put the little disclaimer thingy at the start of this episode that I don't really mind if somebody doesn't want to listen to this. But I'm going to be talking about some things that might be confronting for people who aren't into explorations of feelings and emotions and all that sort of thing. Because I think it's really relevant to what this whole topic is about doing the garage and all the other stuff, and also my adjustment in general. And I want to talk about the issue of sentimentality in particular. I'm actually not terribly sentimental about most stuff. There are a few things that mean a lot to me, but actually not as much as one might think. It's certainly not the household. (laughs) And Nigel was even less sentimental than I am. He, in fact, in all of the years we were together, I only really remember him being sentimental about something once. And that was about a year or so before he died. He decided he was going to sell a bunch of stuff that he didn't really have use for anymore, technological stuff, I think exclusively. And one of them was the projector that he used for our home cinema type thing set up in our various houses. And he loved that projector and he really didn't want to get rid of it. But he did anyway, and I didn't push him on it at all, and I just was there for him and helped do stuff for him and, and so on. I, I did the photographs for the, the trade me ad, as I recall. And when it came time to transfer it to the person who bought it, I went with him, and I could tell he just wasn't, a, he wasn't wanting to do it, but he was making himself do it anyway. And I think we went out for KFC afterwards because that used to be one of his favorites. But in all of the years we were together, that's the only time I can really remember him being sentimental about a thing. So all of the stuff that he left behind isn't stuff that he had any emotional attachment to, and therefore I don't have any emotional attachment to it either, which is kind of interesting in a way. The larger issue is, as I said in a blog post, that this has been going on for decades. I was always in charge of getting rid of stuff ever since I started working from home anyway. I was the one in charge of getting rid of stuff. And over the years, even before I started working from home, we went to the tip with carloads of stuff several times. We got what we call them a skip or skip bin um, several times. At at each house we lived in, we had one, at least one, sometimes more than one. So this is not a new thing. And the reason I struggle so much is the exact same reason why Nigel had me do it. It is absolutely overwhelming. The, it's the sheer scale of the task, the sheer enormity of the task that is what gets me and, ha- and has for probably, um, well, at least 16, 17 years. The complicating factor in this, though, is that I am 
dealing with the loss of the love of my life. I was reading an article in Psychology Today from August, this past August, and it the the author was talking about grief as a learning experience, basically. And one of the things she said was that the human brain has special neurons that are associated with keeping track of the people who are important to us, important to our survival, the people who we love. And when we lose somebody that we love, all of a sudden the brain is trying to figure out where they are and they're trying to make the, the, these same connections. Like, well, you know, where are they? When are they coming back? You know, all that sort of thing. And at the same time, there are other neurons that are associated in a different part of the brain that are associated with partners, you know, life partners. And nobody knows what happens to all of these precisely when an important person in our life dies, or especially our partner, spouse, what have you. But what we do know is that our brains are spending their time basically rewiring themselves. They're learning how to cope with this new world that that it's suddenly in this unexpected reality without the person that we have built these connections with, this intimate connection with over all of these years. And it complicates everything. And it's one of the, the theory goes anyway, it's one of the reasons for the, the thing that is often called widow's fog or widow's brain. And that's a phenomenon in which somebody who is in the midst of grief has trouble concentrating and trouble focusing and trouble remembering and trying simple brain functions don't work as well as they should. And the theory goes that that's why, that it's because the brain is so busy trying to figure out what's going on and, and make sense of this new landscape that it has trouble focusing on any one particular thing. And I think that that's also the main reason, main thing that's holding me back, why I have a thousand and one projects that I make believe that I'm making progress on, because my brain still hasn't figured out what the hell is going on in this world. Where's Nigel? Why am I not seeing him? Why is he not around me? Why is he not helping me? When I do things and I think to myself, it's not any fun by myself, that's part of it. Part of it is because for 24 years, we did everything together. We spend most of our time together over those 24 years, and suddenly I'm doing it all on my own. And it's no fun because nothing makes any sense to me. I'm in the middle of doing stuff in the garage, and I'll look at stuff, and it's not that I'm wistful and and um, sentimental or emotional or anything. It's just I can't make sense of it. Some days I'm so overwhelmed by what I'm doing in that day, whatever it might be, that I just can't cope anymore. And I go and I sit in my chair, pull up my iPad and play games. Usually Leo will hop in my lap for a while. And that's all I can do. I can't do any more than that. Other days, I'm just really full of energy and I'm doing things and mowing lawns, whatever it might be. And it's not an issue whatsoever. Some mornings, I wake up disappointed that I've awakened at all. Some days, I don't know how I'm going to make it through that day, let alone the next one. But the thing of it is, I always do. I was watching um, a YouTube video recently, and they mentioned something in passing without a source, and so I, I can't source it either. But the quote goes, you didn't come this far to only come this far. And that's essentially what I'm all about. I haven't worked this hard to survive this just to give up now. It's going to take me as long as it takes me, essentially, to get through all of this stuff. And eventually I will, and eventually my brain will will start to clear more and I'll be able to focus more because I, I know that because I already have 
have times when that's the case. But I also know there are going to be other days when I just simply cannot cope at all. And um, Grace mentioned bringing people in to help me. And it's theoretically possible some family members have offered to help. Um, I don't know anybody in Hamilton that I'm not related to. <laughs> Still. And it's a story, that's a topic all in itself. But the main thing I wanted to say about that is that there's really not a whole lot they can do apart from just sit and talk to me while I'm doing stuff. Because there's nothing they can help me with. I don't, I just need to make the decisions about stuff once I figure out what they are and what's going on. And I'm not in the headspace to do that yet. I hope I will be soon, but I'm just not yet. I hope that all makes sense. And I hope it wasn't too unendurable. Like I said, I think that Grayson's advice is absolutely brilliant. And thanks for sending that to me, Grayson. And I'm going to be repeating that in, in the years ahead, I'm sure. But it for me, the main issue is that I... I'm just still trying to figure things out. And fortunately, it's not emotionally challenging, this going through stuff. It is emotionally challenging in the sense that there's too much stuff around and that bothers me, but not in the sense of why I have too much stuff. And that is probably the most important thing of all of this. But that's it for today. I will be back later this week. I'm not sure which day. It'll depend on when the final results of the election are announced. But I'll be back later this week to talk about the New Zealand local elections, and then we'll take it from there. But that's it for today, and I will talk to you soon. And I mean it this time. Kaketeano. <laughs> Bye. You can comment on this or any episode of the Airman's Podcast at airmanspodcast.com, where you can also leave a voice message. You can visit and comment on the Amarin's Facebook page, or you can email me with or without a voice message at amarin's at gmail.com. This podcast is a proud member of the Pride 48 Network and is produced and distributed under Creative Commons license. Complete details at the website.